friend. Sunday night, the 17th of December, 2023, and this is Riasis, and we have Kathy Laura is here in the studio with us, as this could be our last one here before the holidays. I do believe so. And uh, so would you like to introduce your guest that is back in the studio with us tonight? Well, we, we have as our guest uh, a returning guest, so he's not a stranger to the studio. I, I want to welcome Augustine Chavez back to the show. Welcome. Thank you very much, guys. I love <coughs> I love the stuff that you've done here. and The I studio really, looks really the different, The studio right? looks really nice, really great. Not that it did it before, but I'm just saying it looks uh, really good. And so normally on the first part of the segment, we talk about genealogy, but as you know, you've already been here, we've kind of been through that. So we just kind of recap that you were, you were born in Staples. Staples, Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so I want, to talk, I want to talk about Austin before we start. So um, Austin is now a student at Texas State University. Oh, my son, Austin. Yes, Austin. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's actually a student at ACC. Oh, ACC. He's going to transfer or, you know, I, I, I advise them that way uh, just because of, you know, um, uh, budget-wise and stuff. And so he's going to do that and then transfer to Texas State. State. Yeah. And, and I know um, I kind of look at you in Austin and I see a lot of myself and my daughter in, in y'all kind of like a pair very close together. Ah, I see. And um, how has the transition been for you and him now that you're, you're not here? How, how hard was it for you to be away or how, how, how was that transition for the both of y'all? It's, it's really hard. Um, you know, I know my son was excited and I think at some point he, he was ready for me to go, wanted me to go, not from, from my benefit, but for his to be, you know, kind of uh, independent, mm-hmm. and and uh, I I'm appreciative that, that 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 you know we're we're in my parents' property, so I wasn't too worried. You know, he was still going to be there, my parents' presence, ex- you know, that kind of somebody thing. to but watch over him. Your sisters uh, can exactly, him a little bit. but you know, but when I was uh, in Santa Fe, he he had uh, uh, you know an accident with his vehicle, not hitting another vehicle, but he got into uh, he, he tried to cross a low water crossing. And the car got washed away. Yeah. He called me and he was crying, and and I just felt so helpless. And and I realized I I I still need to be there with them. You know, even though that he turned eighteen, I was like, "You ready to go, son?" And I'm gonna go. You know, and this. But then I'm like, "Wow!" Like that was really something that like, you know, we gotta work it this way through. And so so yeah, it's been really hard, and it still is hard. Right now, I'm really glad to be back. Uh, with him, um, and when I came back a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a gig with that band, so I had to be back. But when I came back, when we were going to sleep, he was asleep upstairs, and I was sleeping downstairs. And he was like, "Dad, it it feels comfortable. It feels like like things are back to normal." And I'm like, "You know, I knew you were thinking stuff." He doesn't tell me though. He's like, "Oh, I'm fine, Dad. I'm fine, Dad." But I knew like that little moment was like, "Okay, good." You know, you know. So it is. It, it is a little hard. Yeah, <clears throat> but I think, too, you know, um, you, we talk about sacrifices, and I think, too, maybe he didn't want to be honest and say to you because he maybe he felt like if he said 
that you would not take the opportunity to go. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, too, with ha having something like this happen, you kind of see that um, even though you weren't here, things got taken care of. So I, I'm going to assume that that must have been a little bit of a relief for you. Yes, I'm very grateful for my sister, Irma, and uh, and, and her husband, Francisco. He does he, a mobile mechanic here locally in, in San Marcos. So he has all the equipment. So when that happened... I, you know, um, I told my son, you need to call your tia. And I make him do that so that he can do it, not to where, you know, I want him to get into that practice. To be know. able to call the people yes, that he needs exactly. to when you're not around. Exactly. So he did, and, and they <clears throat> came and, and uh, got him out, and, and yeah. So now I tell him, you know, you got to make, uh, you know, he's learning, um, but I tell him, son, I want you home by this time because, you know, you go out. You're not doing nothing bad, I understand, but... Um, you know, so if God forbid something happens and everybody has to go out and, and go get you, you know, so it's better just to play it safe for now, you know, wait till I get home. And, but, and so now that we're talking about uh, education, I know I've had, you know, a few conversations with you and I've, I've learned quite a bit and I, I retain all that stuff here, but tell us a little bit about your educational background. Uh, okay. Well, um, I got... Uh, I went to school here in San Marcos. You know, I was uh, at Bonham uh, in kindergarten, which is now the the Hispano or Hispanic Culture the, Center. Uh, the Cultural Hispanic and, Center. And and uh, and so you know, I went through all school, graduated from high school here. And when I was a senior, I got offered a scholarship for music, and I turned it down because I just said, Nah, college isn't for me. I don't want to be in college. I'm tired of school. And then you know, throughout the years of working, just you know, doing job, I just started realizing, like, well, I want to go, I want to go, and so, anyway, long story short, I got into, I did, I did apply at Texas State, and I got rejected, and they told me, you know, because of my scores in high school, uh, that uh, uh, I couldn't get in, and, uh, and they said they advised that I go to a junior college, so I said, okay, so I had my pity party, but I went and I went to ACC and I just walked and, and my campus was real grand downtown Austin. And um, I just went to ask questions and I came out registered at the end of the day. Um, I was excited. I took two classes, one class, two classes. Uh, and so that took me a while. But then I got into that rhythm and and I was working at a place called CFAN at the time. And I was going to study to be an engineer. Um, to, you know, climb up the ladder of CFAN. And so I changed it to art when I walked in an art room. I was like, oh, my God, this is who I am. And so I switched it, finished my associates, and then um, I had a lot of uh, really hard setbacks. And, and when I was finishing my associates, uh, unfortunately, I was going through a divorce, not with my son's mother, uh, but with another woman I had married. And we didn't see eye to eye on moving forward. I wanted to pursue art. She had a different idea of what a family structure should be. And so I went to Texas State. I, I applied and I finally got accepted. And I took two classes. And then after that, uh, my bosses at CFAN told me, you can't take classes anymore at Texas State because it's not related to your job. And I was like, we'll see about that. <laughs> So um, I, I, I quit CFAN. I had been there for a long time, and I quit. And then I went to Texas State full-time. It was really scary. I sat in the bathrooms in the mornings just to sit there, just kind of like, what did I do? You know. But I was looking at my son, and I wanted him to have this opportunity also for himself. And so I, I 
you know, made friends at Texas State. All the professors supported me. Uh, I met a lot of great people. And then um, I also, you know, was able to discover who I was. Um, and I finished uh, with my bachelor's in uh, 2017. And then I went straight to get my master's at UTSA in San, in San Antonio. And I was there for three years and uh, finished my MFA in 2020. Yeah, so. So let, let me ask this question because I think um, for a lot of Hispanic um, kids, and maybe not so much now, but before, right? Um, school really wasn't the plan. You know, your parents, you know, probably didn't go to, to school. You know, most of our families were migrant workers or, you know, didn't have that type of uh, background to be able to have somebody to tell you school is very important. And so now here you are, and I don't know what kind of structure you had at home or the support that you had, but it sounds like you did a lot of this on your own. Mm -hmm. So there must have been a lot of trip trepidation on your part about, oh, my God, because where is the support coming from for you? Was it just something that you felt you had to do and you just bit the bullet and went? Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, that's a great point, Kathy, uh, because my dad would tell me stories when, when he was in high school um, that they would make an announcement saying, okay, all families who are, are going to work in the field can leave now. And he would say all the brown kids would get up and leave and all the other kids would stay and finish out their education. And that was really interesting. But we did not have uh, my parents, uh, not that I'm s speaking ill about them, but they didn't know and, and they didn't have that opportunity and they didn't pass that opportunity on to us that we can you know, seek higher, higher education. Texas State, you know, uh, or, you know, wherever, you know. And so I did it on my own because I tried it without it. And, and I wasn't really getting anywhere without it. And, uh, you know, especially my art, I was never really satisfied with it. Because I was painting before I got an education. I, I wanted to be a painter, and I would, I would work, do my shift, come back, and then just try to paint. And nothing ever came out the way I was like, something's missing, and I couldn't figure it out. And so I, you know, I thought to myself, now is the time to, to get an education. And, and what really helped out also is the people I was surrounded with. The, at, at one point in my life, I was surrounded with uh, uh, my friends that I made, and they were going to Texas State. And, and uh, when every time they would talk about their classes, et cetera, and I'm just sitting there hanging out with them. And, and then uh, I got curious about that, too. And I was like, well, I did get offered a scholarship one time. Uh, maybe I, th I think that God wanted me to go to, t to school, you know. And so I, I, I did it, you know. And so, but the things that my family did not do, they didn't discourage me not to go, but they didn't encourage me to go. They just let me do my thing. Mm -hmm. But my sisters were there supporting because I raised my son uh, since he was two. And so I would take him to classes and just tell him to wait in the hallway when I was at Texas State. And, <laughs> you know, and he'll be there playing on his phone. And, and then uh, um, one time I had to pick him up early uh, from school because his nurse said that he wasn't feeling well. And I was like, oh, my God, I got class. You know, I got my painting class. So I talked to my professor. And I said, I'll be right back. And it was critique day. And I said, I'll be right back. Critique, you know, in the art, just like our test moment. Yeah. And so I said, uh, uh, I need to go pick up my son. And she said, 
okay, come come right back. And I went, got back, and she goes, uh, he could sleep in my office. And so I, I was very appreciative of that. Anybody does something nice like that for my son just touches a part of me that I will never forget. And so he slept, and we did our critique, and I go, come on, boy, let's go wake up. You know, and so now he's in college, and it's pretty, you know, I, I like that, that, that uh, you know, parable right there that he's yeah, in college. Yeah, because I, I think we hear so many uh, bad things about things not going um, well for some people and so they have a negative um, look outlook in life mm-hmm. but then there's stories like the one that you have right where you know for maybe every you know uh, one bad person that you find you'll find five good people right yes, yes. and so in, in speaking to you it seems like you've had a lot of people that have kind of supported you along the way and things that that have happened that you've been able to overcome that thing by the generosity of mm-hmm. people right mm-hmm. that's right that's right so, um, when you were going to school, um, were, you, we talk about setbacks. So, what was the, one of the setbacks um, that you had while going to school, and did it make you rethink why you were there? Oh, for sure. The thing that, you know, I'll, I'll talk about Texas State, because uh, um, Texas State was when I was a full-time student, and that was a way different experience than being a part-time student, you know, and anywhere. I was only taking one classes at a time, one, two, and it took me a long time to finish my associates at ACC because I was working full-time. Um, but um, one of the, the uh, uh, you know, biggest, uh, for me at least, psychologically, I was older than, than those students. So I kind of felt a little hard to even approach them or something, you know. But we made friends. I, I made connection with them, and uh, um, they accepted me for who I was. And... and uh, and I thought that th- that encouraged me to to work, and we would even have like these study groups. Now, um, in, at at Texas State, I didn't take any core courses. I just took nothing but studio classes. I took all my core courses at ACC. Uh, so everybody there was like me. Was, were were painters, artists, you know, uh, sculptures, and and uh, um, I I I really connected with them that way. But the setbacks for me there was. Well, they weren't really setbacks. Well, they were in a sense because I wasn't necessarily um, uh, free 100% because I had to attend to my son, right? And I'm not saying he was my setback, but I had that responsibility that I'm willing to let go, you know. And so when when I would when we would have to meet for outings that were required by class, I would be like, okay, well, what am I going to do with my son, you know? Or I would bring him with me and like just stop and uh, you know that kind of thing. Those were really hard, but also doing the, the work, the studio work, the paintings. You know, I had to make sure he did his homework. Uh, he got taken care of. He got fed. Food was a big struggle. Food. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't eat to save money. And I would only spend on one meal, which when I picked up my son, and we would have dinner. But during the day, I wouldn't eat just because I, I couldn't afford to. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to, to go buy something. Um, if somebody offered me something, I'll be like, no. And they'll be like, no, let me buy something. Okay. But then I got used to it, and I just focused on painting, you know. But in the evenings, and I would even go to Taco Cabana because Taco Cabana, uh, for one, my son loved the bean and cheese tacos, but Taco Cabana also gave Texas State students a discount. So I would use every everything that I could to just spend less. I don't want to sound cheap, but I just needed to survive those semesters, you know. And, and uh, But those were very challenging, and I felt bad because at some point... Uh, I know, you know, um, I think 
I felt like I couldn't provide for my son. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. he wanted things and uh, he canceled. You know, but, gotta, but yeah. you know, I'll tell you, I think my dad used to tell us all the time, and we weren't, we were not lower middle, we were lower, lower middle class, right? But my father always said things to us, stories, right? You know, we never really got a lot of really expensive things because my dad would say, you outgrow those things. They, um, you know, they tear, you're not going to have it for a very long time. And so we kind of grew up like that. And I remember the first time that I took Mercedes shopping, and my dad was always really uh, one of those guys that was trying to always get a bargain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> kind of like that. And I remember Mercedes taking Mercedes on her very first outing when I let her buy her own stuff. And I said, here is, um, you know, $25. You can buy one thing at regular price, or you can come over here to the sell stuff, and you can get depending on what you buy, 75% off, maybe two things. If you go to the 50% or the 75% off, you buy more stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so I think a lot of that is that you have to teach your, your children, even if you've got money, it's not that um, you want to buy all the stuff. It's that you have to save, you know, regardless. And my dad would say, there really, there's a difference between want you know, want and need. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. you know, if you talk to my daughter, she'll always say, Mom, remember want and need. You know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, my son and I reflect on that now. And he was like, you know, Dad, uh, thank you for, for doing what you did. You know, and at, at one time when he was in uh, in junior high, uh, he started talking about Gucci. Gucci this, Gucci that. And, I'm, and I was like, Gucci? <laughs> okay, and then he was like, look, Dad. Uh, my friend's parents drive a Cadillac, or my parents drive this, and they wear Gucci and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you want Gucci? He was like, yeah. And I was like, son, you know, focus on your grades. I'm trying to, you know, finish all your two. But me being a parent, I'm like, he wants Gucci. Okay, let me see. So I look it up, and I was like, well, maybe I have $70 to buy him a T-shirt that says Gucci. And I looked it up, and the T-shirt was 350 And I was like... Okay, son, you're not getting no Gucci right now. <laughs> so I guess we're ready to go It's ready for, for a break here. We'll come on back. You are listening to Rice's here on KCSM.org, KCSM LPFM 104.1, San Marcos, Texas, 78666. The views expressed on this show are those of the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KCSM or SMTXCRA. We're going to be right back with you after this quick station ID break. No sé, dime. Es que, bueno, no sé cómo decirlo. A veces me siento perdida. A veces me siento perdida. Nunca fui inferior. Cuando tus niños no encuentren las palabras, ayúdalos a encontrar la canción. Escucha el álbum Sound It Out y obtén consejos y herramientas para empezar una conversación en escuchandosentimientos.org. Un mensaje de Ad Council y Pedro Ventures. Anybody out there interested in chess? Join us at the San Marcos Local Chess Club. We get together every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the San Marcos Public Library. All levels are welcomed. Everybody is welcomed. All ages are welcomed. It's a really chilled environment just to enjoy and play some chess all together. What's in the daily news? Story about a guy who bought his wife a small ruby with what otherwise would have been his union dues. 
That's what's in the daily news. Read the latest news about KZSM.org, your true community radio station, every Sunday in the San Marcos Daily Record. Look for our call letters in the headline of our exclusive column. The San Marcos Daily Record has been serving our community with news, features, sports, and opinion for over 100 years. Pick up your copy at your nearest grocery or convenience store. To subscribe to the print or electronic editions, go to www.sanmarcusrecord.com or call 512-392-2458. And we're back here in the studio. Kathy. So I want to talk to you about, um, you know, now, now you're an artist, right? And I want to talk to you about the difficulties that you had, you know, here at home um, as, as an artist. Um, you know, we've had that conversation about how you've had some of your stuff shown in a lot of other galleries, you know, you've shown in Austin, but for whatever reason here at home, you haven't quite had that opportunity to be able to showcase your talent here. Explain to me how frustrating that is or how, what do you think needs to happen to change that here at home with the opportunities for, and I I don't know, since I, I don't know too much about it, is it just for um, his Hispanic people or people of color or for what do we do for our young kids too that have this love of arts that doesn't have a place for them here I see so you know the, for me my experience and in, in as far as being an artist in San Marcos uh, I'm still trying to to you know um, have a relationship with that if, if it's possible if it's not then then you know it, it's not um, I, I am not reflecting on my experience based on Texas State because the art department there is very phenomenal um, and and it's, it allows you to explore who you are in any any types of subject matters. Um, I understand that the cities or, or public places have to be somewhat very cautious of what they're gonna promote, uh, the, the type of art that's gonna be, you know, it's gotta be safe art and I respect that, you know. Um, I feel that for me, in my art, uh, before Santa Fe, um, it was depicting different political issues. Um, I like to paint the working class because my parents are working class and a lot of us are working class. Um, and, and that was the story that I wanted to convey in my paintings. It wasn't necessarily more like, you know, of creating a voice, which later became that. It's, it was more like... I'm surrounded by this type of, of activities and I want to paint it. You know, I'm not surrounded by the bourgeoisie lifestyle, you know, and that, that gets painted a lot. Uh, um, this is what I want to paint. And so I did. And, and I think that larger cities can, can risk that type of, uh, of, you know, um, risk in a sense. Uh, but, you know, I don't know exactly where we move forward here in San Marcos. Uh, I do know that there's some some things that that uh, pop up here and there, uh, some open calls, and I really think that that's healthy to have here in San Marcos. I don't really attract or get attracted to open calls. Uh, I feel like if somebody, you know, knows who I am and wants me to paint my hand, then they're gonna reach out to me, you know, personally straight. Um, but uh, but I just feel like you know maybe give a chance to to have, you know, different types of subject matters, um, you know, uh, in a sense to, to create a voice for a lot of people who's, who live here in San Marcos. 
But do you think that there's more money in Santa Fe, or that's where the money goes for the art? I, I, we had a another uh, uh, gentleman here, Hispanic. It came from Santa Fe. Had tried to make it in art here in San Marcos, didn't he? Left just a few months ago to go back to Santa Fe. Um, a Santa Fe is very rich in art. I mean, it is a lot of art everywhere. I was just looking back and forth. Galleries are just you know everywhere. Um, and I later, I didn't know this, but I later uh, found out while I was there that um, Santa Fe is the third largest art world, you know, art market community, uh, community in the world. And a lot of people go there specifically for art. You know, they go, let's go to Santa Fe. Uh, Amado, he has his gallery and I work it Tuesday and Wednesdays um, while I'm painting also at the same time. And, and uh, people come in asking questions and, you know, or looking for art. And they're, you know, and, and, and I know that Santa Fe has a big art, art community because I see homeless trying to sell their artwork on the streets. And it's cold right now, you know. And so they're like this. They literally go up to you on the traffic light and be like, you know, and they're trying to sell their work. You know, it, it's really amazing. I was like, look at that guy. He's trying to sell his artwork, you know, and people are just looking at him. And it... it, it there is a lot of opportunity, well, right? I think too because of a lot of the artisans that are there, right? It's not not only just in in the painting, but you have a lot of people that do a lot of the weaving, a lot of the, the exactly, the, and the jewelry uh, that that gets forged there. You have a lot of the uh, turquoise and a lot of the mm -hmm. the uh, natural stones that come out. So I think it's just the right place to have all these things to to come to together. You yes, know? yes, and you know I don't know I. I <laughs> I know that San Marcos is a different environment, you know. Uh, but for me in the arts, um, I feel that it's important that that, it, that an environment like a beautiful like this is able to portray every community here. It's not just one type of community. It's surrounded by many, you know. And so when I don't feel that connection, I just keep painting in my own studio. I just paint my own thing. But, but what do we do now? Because we have such a, a cancel culture about a lot of things, right? And if we can't convey things in in art the way that we see them, then what we will get what we have now murals of mermaids and and flowers. And so, where where does the change come? Because that becomes redundant stagnation, I guess. It's. I think that I, I don't know what the answer is. I and, and and I'm not exactly sure how to move forward. Um, but it also depends, like who's running the show. Um, uh, I know that uh, Linda Kelsey Jones, uh, she's a really good person that I admire. She was running the Walker's Gallery, and uh, um, she she just retired from the Walker's. She ran it for many years, but she was even uh, given restrictions what she can show, what she cannot show, and and people would come in with some great meaningful work, and she'll be like, "Oh, I love this piece, but I don't think I'm allowed to hang it." And it's because you know it's it's you you know you. you I understand. You know, you, you have to uh, safeguard the what the the reputation, but you know how do you do that without uh, offending anybody? Because by safeguarding, the rest of us can get offended too. Right. You know. And, and artists subjective, right? So you see it one way, I see it another way. So what really is um, offensive? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, and and some of the things that really inspires me. Um, is that I I just recently heard these these stories about how San Marcos 
the the people, especially like for me, the indigenous people, the brown people, how they would, you know, wash their babies in the San Marcos River, you know, would come out, do laundry. And I'm like, what? You know, now it's a, an, an attraction and people go there to, to you know, to uh, enjoy themselves. But I'm wondering, like, where are these stories? Like, how come these stories aren't depicted? Like, where we've come from, or who we, you know, all those things that just, like, really, like, like I'm learning about Staples, where I come from. It was a Confederate camp, and, like, the people, and I'm like, you know, my sister, Yidma, just recently found some photos of some, of a brown school in Staples, Texas, where only, only Mexican brown kids can go, and it totally looks like a residential school. <laughs> I look at it, and you see these kids barefoot and stuff, and I'm like, that's in Staples, like, what else is history? My dad told me stories that when he was a kid and he would go downtown San Marcos, that there was literally signs that would say, no dogs, no, 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 there's no this and that, you know, and so he couldn't enter, you know, I'm like, where are those voices, you know, it's like, like, that's, that's the kind of disconnect that I have. Well, and, and I think, you know, we talk a lot about that because people, they don't want to remember that, right? You know, it's all like the, the move on. We don't, we don't want to talk about it because I think they're afraid that they'll, it's, it's going to open up maybe a conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. They're not comfortable with having because we have to go back and look, oh, well, you know, well, my, my grandparents were part of the, these elites that treated people in a bad way. Mm -hmm. And I don't think so much it's that, that we want to go back and say, well, we, we just want to say this is how it was. And maybe give some type of credence, credence to it, right? Mm -hmm, to say, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. Um, and, and then we can kind of have this thing and show. But I, I say, when I look especially at a lot of pictures, the pictures will tell a lot of, a, a lot of stories, right? Mm -hmm. And when you see a photograph of a school and there aren't any kids of color in it, and it's, you know, 1945 <laughs> here in San Marcos. I mean, it says a lot. I mean, when you look at it, it's not even 100 years yeah, ago, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and so I think that's it. But I think it's not that, that we want to open up um, these conversations to make bad things out of it. Because everybody needs to have that to be able to heal and to move on and say, this is where we are now. How do we move forward for everyone? And I think that moving forward for me is would be just make a colorful city, you know, uh, add color to it, um, different in the color palette. Uh, when I was teaching in Austin, I had a student um, um, from Afghanistan. They were refugees from Afghanistan, and they didn't know any English, <coughs> and they were in my art class. And I was like, how am I going to communicate with these two, you know? And, and uh, I... I you know, I did it through pictorials, you know, that kind of thing. But when I would tell them to draw, they came out with these beautiful colored patterns that I never saw together. But they brought that from their country. And, and I was just like, how did you make this? Like, it was uh, 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 elementary drawing, but way different than what I'm used to seeing. And so maybe color is the answer. Maybe, you know, putting different colors and patterns, et cetera, you know, that kind of thing. Well, and I think, too, because we're so, a lot of us, we never leave our boxes, right? And so this is what we know. But we don't see what the rest of the world has to offer. And I think a lot about um, Isabella, the Queen of Spain, back in the 1490s, mm -hmm. 1492. And um, here she is. She's the Spanish queen. And she has all these residential places, the palaces that she calls home, but her favorite place was Alhambra. And Alhambra, of course, we know was a Muslim um, a palace. Mm -hmm. 
But this is what she called home. This, this was the place that she loved the most. And so I think a lot about that is that you have this, but this is what you admire. Now they did go in and they, they unfortunately changed some of the things that to make it their, theirs. But if you look at it, it's intact and you see all this beautiful art that's there. And so I find these things, you know, when I think about them, it, it, it just makes me wonder and it just blows my mm -hmm, mind. And mm -hmm. now, see, now you've said that. Yeah, yeah. And so I think when we don't leave our space and we don't have an appreciation for other cultures, then I think that's what keeps us, um, in, you know, inhabited mm -hmm. here where we are. There's no place for us to grow, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, our, our minds, right? Yes, that's to right. To be able to find acceptance in the beauty in other cultures and other things. Mm -hmm. And I took a... A public art uh, class in, in uh, at UTSA for my master's when I was over there, and we took some trips of the city, and oh my God, I there was a, a, a place in San Antonio I was hesitant to go because I didn't know what was back past that bridge. Well, we went across <laughs> that bridge. There is the most beautiful murals I have seen depicting the people that live there, their cultural everywhere, and and I know that I think San Antonio has two or three mural foundations that really try to enhance the beauty of the cultural, you know, San Antonio. Uh, but, you know, I wish things like that were more present here. I know there's a budget, but, I mean, you know, working together, I think we can make it possible. Well, and I think, too, you know, you don't... We have a lot of things in our backyard that we don't take advantage of, and even in, in the city surrounding that we need to go to to look at mm -hmm. these things. So I think we're ready for a station break. Take a quick station ID break. You're listening to Rice is here on KZSM.org, KZSM LPFM 104.1, San Marcos, Texas 78666. It is the 17th of December 2023. We're going to be right back with you after this uh, quick station break. <music> Hayesinform.com is your gateway to information that you need about emergencies here in Hayes County. If you go to their website, that is Hayesinform.com, you will find all sorts of information from current alerts, upcoming events, and talking about safety here in our community. That is Hayesinformed.com. That is your connection, along with KZSM, LP FM 104.1. We are here to help in emergencies in the community. Go to hazeinformed.com to find out how you can be prepared. On the radio, this is the Sweet Honey Bear Blues on Tuesday at 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock, you got me giving you what you just didn't know you needed. Raíces con su locutora, Kathy Lara. Nuestro pasado, nuestro presente y nuestro futuro. Unirse a la conversación. Escuche las historias. Cada domingo a las 7, aquí en su radio comunidad KZSM en San Marcos, Texas. Yeah, we're back here in the stage, uh, studio. Kathy. And I want to remind everybody that we have uh, in the studio with us uh, Agustin Chavez. And, um, you know, when I 
was looking at you and you know at all the things that you've done I I kind of thought god you know really if I look at this you know Augustine he he's a musician he you know he paints you know he, he you know and um of course, you know, when you're a musician, you write songs, so you're kind of like a, a, a man of, of letters, kind of a poet. <laughs> Maybe not in the sense of, you know, what we think like uh, Wordsworth or Long, Longfellow, but you, you still write these things, and so, you know, you, you have a lot of interest. So you're almost like a Renaissance man, right? <laughs> so, yeah, um, I have a question that I want to ask you about uh, this new place where you found yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I want you to explain to... Um, our listeners, where you are now and how you got this opportunity. Okay. Uh, so right now I am uh, doing an art residency program in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, and so, it, uh, uh, you know, other friends that I've asked that are colleagues of mine, you know, how'd you get that? Or was there an open call? You know, um, very, at a young age, when I've been in the music business, um, I was taught, if you want something, Go ask and go get it, you know. And so I've always, you know, hey, you know, I always approach people. So I was having uh, uh, last two summers uh, before COVID, no, after COVID, no, I don't remember, but people were, were um, hiring me or commissioning me to paint their portraits, paint portraits of the families. And so I, I was staying afloat by commission work because people, can you paint my, you know, my grandkids or, or stuff like that? I was doing it. And then I started teaching, right, uh, at a public school for Austin uh, uh, ISD. Um, and I really didn't feel like that was for me because I wanted to paint. And, um, you know, teaching was great, um, but I, it took away from my painting. Uh, but so I, I resigned. I only did it for one year. I only signed to one country year. But then the commission stopped coming in. So earlier in the summer uh, this year, I was like, well, what, what do I do? Because unfortunately, at the university level, they don't teach you what to do. They teach you how to work, how to paint, how to view different things, the subject matters, etc. But once you're done, you get your degree. That's why a lot of people determine certain degrees to be useless. And I totally disagree with that. You know, because a lot, you know, I've, I've seen some people or, or an art degree is useless. A music degree is useless. But I feel like any degree is useless if you don't put it to use. It all depends on the person, right? But what I did was I used to be an admirer of the artist Amado Peña. He made all these indigenous uh, paintings in the 80s, and I was always trying to draw them, and I couldn't figure it out how he was doing it. I didn't know the man was alive. I never knew nothing about him. And... Um, I saw him post on, on Facebook. He was on Facebook that he's going to be here, he's going to be there. And I said, man, that, that's Amado Peña. That's Peña, the one that I used to, you know, I was always, I sent him a message. I just sent him a message. I said, hi, my name is this. I'm from San Marcos, Texas. Um, when I was a kid, I followed your work, etc. I just want to ask you advice because I see you're very successful at, uh, at doing your art. He called me, uh, and he, I didn't think he was reply. I was like, you know what, the, he'll probably just ignore what, me. What do you have to lose, right? Yeah, exactly, what do I have to lose? But he replied, and he says, call me. And he gave me his cell number, and I was like, I call him. So I called him, and he goes, look, Augustine, you know, uh, it all depends what you want to do with your art. You have to first define that question. What do you want to do with your art? Where do you want to go as an artist? Um, they don't teach you that in academia. 
You know, I had to learn this for many years of trial and error. And I said, okay. And then he goes, send me your resume, your CV, and pictures of your artwork. And then I did. He called me right away. He goes, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, I'm about to have breakfast. And he was like, no, like, what are you doing with yourself right now? And I was like, I'm working on a game plan. And that's when he says, I want to offer you a residency program at my ranch. Uh, I'll teach you the art business. Um, and uh, um, you help me around the studio. And that's how I got it. And so I was thinking about going in January, but I asked him, when do you want me to go? And he goes like, I want you to come right now. And I'm like, oh, well, I got to sort some things out. So long story short, uh, I moved over there in October. My son then encouraged me to go also. And, uh, but I did, and I've learned so much from Amado um, that every, I'm grateful that everything that I've painted so far has sold. It moves, you know, and, and I've gotten some tips on how to approach things, how to be organized, how to put an inventory number on my work, how to keep track of all that. Um, and, and how to keep me organized, you know, the thing that Amado does have that I don't, well, his great reputation, but he has a studio manager and she handles all things that are not non-related to painting. Mm -hmm. All he does is paint and she does everything else, you know, and I told her, you know, Linda, uh, you do a lot of work. You, you are partly a big success for a model. And she goes, well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> you know, but that's how I got that Santa Fe thing. And I've learned so much being around there um, and just traveling with him to different states. I, and I remember back in the 80s, you know, his popularity was, you know, at extraordinary levels, right? And it just seemed like every... Um, event that I went to where they were having an auction, there was always a print of his there, not necessarily one of his paintings, because those were just, um, you know, extremely, extremely expensive, but there was always a print that somebody was raffling off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he had a lot of, a lot of really beautiful things. And I, I've, I've noticed kind of like in watching uh, now the transition a little bit, how you've kind of transitioned a little bit away from the things that you were doing a little bit more to like the indigenous oh, stuff. Oh, okay. And I have to tell you that the the TP ones just floored me. <laughs> they I, they were just so beautiful. They, I, you know, it's just like I looked looked at them and they're like like they're alive. You know, and it's not that I like one over the other because I really do like the things that you did before, and, and I could tell. Like in looking at your artwork um, of the working middle class, mm -hmm. that I could see, you know, it, it's kind of like, okay, you know, this is this artist just because, you know, whatever the, the texture, subject the matter, subject matter, uh -huh, whatever. Uh -huh. And so I could see those were yours, but I'm just taken aback how quickly you've made that transition. Oh, okay. Um, so thank you for noticing that, Kathy. Este, um, or just real quick, Amado has really opened up the doors to paint my surroundings and that's what he told me he was like you know what um he had his political period when he was young and right now those political paintings that he did are surfacing and people are, are auctioning them selling them and you know he made back in the 70s um but you know i like the way he said you don't change the quality of your artwork from master's degree you just change your subject matter but you take that quality with the rest of the things that you paint and I'm like, okay. So I look in the mirror and I'm like, what am I? Who am I? You know, and I reflect on that. And, and, I, and I, I do a lot of reading, um, especially like right now, I've been reading a lot about Picasso and, uh, and Gauguin. And, 
they, everybody reflects on their surroundings. If you look Gauguin's uh, uh, paintings, they're all nature, you know, and where he moved to Madagascar to these other countries, and he's painting that. You know, now I'm doing things in Santa Fe, and I'm painting my surroundings there. Um, I do do ceremony here in San Marcos with the small community that we have. Uh, uh, we're learning, um, uh, you know, we're learning, uh, uh, it's a hybrid thing, a hybrid uh, sweat that we have uh, and teepee ceremony. So a lot of those images that, that I paint now are from my experiences or participation in the, in the ceremonies. And I, I took a lot of pictures and, and this whole time I'm like, what do I do with these pictures? Well, now I'm just going to paint them, you know, express myself that way. Um, and so I got a lot of more ideas of what to do with the, with the glowing, I call them the glowing teepee, <laughs> the glowing teepee, because it really does look like it's glowing, it's alive, it's breathing, you know? And so I, it, that's my challenge now is to m keep that honesty uh, in those paintings. And, and for me, at least, not to, I got to stay within the middle of making meaningful work and something that, that people would love to have. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go beyond that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's funny because you said that about that the glowing TV one because it's like when I see it, it's like I can almost see myself standing there watching from the outside looking in. That That's how vivid and real it is to me because it's like, oh, my God. You know, yeah. it's like if I'm watching it from outside. Yeah, yeah. And that, and I plan to make more. Um, I, I did. I have met a lot of people on the road, and I asked a, a friend of mine that just became very, uh, Tracy. He's Danae. And uh, he's from the Navajo country. And so I told him my idea. Um, I want to paint more of these teepees. Um, there are certain things that are sacred and that, that we don't take pictures of. And right. I don't want to paint those either, you know. Um, and so we had that conversation. But now I'm like, I want to change the posture. Because we use him for ceremony. So in ceremony, we're always on our knees, you know. And we put a pillow on, on our bottoms to be a little bit more comfortable. We're like that the whole night. But I want to... I wanna, uh, research what these homes were like during the times when people lived in them. They cooked for their kids. They did all the normal human basics that we did, that we still do. And I want to put the, those silhouettes in mm -hmm. there, you know, change them up a little bit and kind of go back in time to the way, the, you know, the way our ancestors lived. And so I asked them uh, what I don't want to, like... Uh, um, Infringe or exactly, know. and so he told me a lot of times what we what what people did. Our ancestors told stories. Oh, that just gave me so many ideas. <laughs> I could I could just make the headman have a gesture of telling the story, have kids listen. <laughs> it just gave me a, a, and so I'm trying to do that now, and but moving around a lot, I'm writing everything down. It's funny how the ideas come with conversations that oh, you have with yes. other people. And I think, are we ready for a break? And you're listening to Rices here on KCSM. We're going to be right back with you. This is Free Thought Radio with co-host Stan Barker and Annie Lori Gaylor. Irreverent views, news, music, and interview. Tune in Mondays, 11 a.m., to hear Free Thought Radio right here on kzsm.org, your true community radio station. Free Thought Radio is underwritten locally by the Hill Country Freethinkers. What's up, everybody? This is Justin James Bridges. 
and you're listening to kzsm.org. You can tune in every Sunday at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time here in San Marvelous to catch me and all my wild friends here on Sundays Free with JJB on kzsm.org. Hola, si tiene ganas de escuchar música en español, júntense conmigo cada domingo a las 8 de la noche por Música con Ganas aquí con el tío en su radio comunidad. Compartiré con ustedes poesías, música de mi juventud, música contemporánea y ojalá música que le dé cálidos memorias. Cada domingo a las 8 de la noche aquí en su verdadero Radio Comunidad KZSM. And Music of Kanganas is coming up right after this show here. But Kathy, we are back in the studio and uh, give you another 15 minutes here for this uh, wonderful conversation. <laughs> so I want to ask this question because, you know, now you're, you're living on, on, a, uh, on a reservation. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And... Um, in my previous conversation that I had with you, I was taken aback because I think for a, lo- a lot of us, when we talk and we talk about our cultural identity, I would say that 99% of the people that I know say we're uh, Mexican-American. We identify with that. But you don't say that. You you say you're indigenous. And indigenous. I remember when you told me that, it, it, it just it, it stuck, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, <clears throat> now that, that you're living over on the reservation and you have really the true aspect of the indigenous culture mm-hmm, around you, mm-hmm. how do you feel? Oh, okay. So, um, you know, it, it, for me, okay, I have, I haven't, I've met a lot of people um, that, that, I, that I connect with, that, that I'm picking their brains, right, and I ask questions. And 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 uh, but as far as the reservation aspect, uh, there's certain areas that that uh, are blocked off. So and 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 where we're at, we don't. Uh, how do I say it? We're, there's not much going on other than living. People are living there. But you do know? you do you find a piece there? Oh yes, that, yes. That you don't have here, or um, I feel more. I, I, it's not more. It's just feel a connection, like. Oh my God, I'm home, or oh my God, this is where I'm I'm, I'm at, you know, um, and and I and I I'm really appreciative. I just listen, recently went to uh, Akoma Reservation Sky People, and oh my God, I was just like floored. I was like because they have their uh, pueblo on top of a mountain, um, and they did that for for safety reasons when the Spaniards were still coming, etc. Um, but you know, I was just. I was just floored, you know, by that. So I do feel this connection with it. And I was just telling my family, like, for some reason, I've never been to Santa Fe or New Mexico in general. But just the history everywhere. You drive on the highway and you says entering, you know, Tsuki Reservation. And then now leaving Tsuki, entering next gen, uh, reservation, next one, next one. And so it, you know, it, it's just, it's really hard to describe uh, but I just feel that connection, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's like really hard to describe. Um, but I do, I did go, um, uh, hiking 
and I found a, a section that was blocked off, and it did say no trespassing, tribal members only. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that's the, and it had a, uh, if you trespass, um, you, will be brought, you, will be, you, you will be brought before council, mm -hmm. you know, so it's really interesting. Now, there is a lot of tribal police, you know, that patrol, and people ask me, like, oh, what, what, what are they, they just got patrol cars, just like, you know, people, you know, other, and they will pull you over, <laughs> they'll pull you over quick, you know, for, for speeding, you know, but it's really interesting, though. And, and so I want to ask you this question because I, I know um, I read um, on uh, your uh, one of your feeds where you were talking about we, as um, a cultural thing with the Virgen de Guadalupe, uh -huh. right? And so, you know, you have this indigenous aspect that you feel. And so, you know, we, we have this thing about, you know, when the Spanish come over and we have this whole colonization thing and a lot of the indigenous were forced into the... Uh, Catholic religion and mm -hmm. and kind of here's the Virgen de Guadalupe that that came with it. How do you feel about those two? How do, how do you I mean how do you embrace that? So I for me, I think that everybody has their own conclusions, um, similar conclusions. But these are my conclusions, my personal conclusions. Uh, I'm not saying it to represent uh, a certain people. It's just me. When I was a kid. Um, growing up in Staples, Texas. I mean, I, I couldn't feel more indigenous growing up around corn than, than anybody else, you know, in Staples, uh, playing in the corn. Um, but, you know, with my relationship with, uh, with the Guadalupe, I just felt it since I was a kid. The story, the entire, you know, exposed since I was a kid. Um, but, you know, that was my experience. And, and some things, you know, who I am discovering who I am now, I'm able to say, well, maybe this isn't working for me, or maybe this is, et cetera. But it wouldn't be the same for the next brother or sister, you know. Um, um, and, and with respect, like where, where, you know, in the in the sweat lodge uh, that that we do our ceremonies, they're very open to, um, you know, n not any beliefs, but similar beliefs, you know, that kind of thing. And and so we have the name. Um, and then we have the uh, Aztecs that come in, you know, and we all sweat together. You know, and so it's it's just really interesting uh, that people do that, and and even in other places, you know, I always look inside somebody's house. Not let me rephrase that. When every time I see a picture of somebody's house or anything like that, I can see little gimmicks of connections that you know that they have on their walls and stuff. But you know, um, it all depends. I I met a a, a, a guy in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, um, and we started talking about religion. And he's from Santa Fe, um, and he told me he was actually from uh, Santa Domingo, mm -hmm. uh, which is a little bit before Santa Fe, and uh, he was raised and by his tribal people. He was raised there and stuff, and uh, we connected, and he, we were talking about religion, and he had said that even up to day now, um, um, because when we do ceremony, we use a peyote drum, right? And it's a different drum that they used in... in, in, in Santa Fe, uh, or not Santa Fe, but in that area, uh, they used the skin drum. And we started talking about because he was making skin drums, but he was telling me that he started incorporating the water drum, which is the, the, the peyote drum that we use. Um, and so his elders were telling him no. And so uh, he said he had a problem with it, and he says, you got to do it this way, this way, this way. And he says, brother, we still have to, they still make us practice Catholicism. They won't let us practice our religion 100%. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. But for me, at least as an individual, that's just my connection with the, 
with my spiritual um, uh, beliefs. Okay. So tell me, how long are you going to be here? When do you go back? And how long are you going to be there? Uh, I, I am going to be here till after the new year. I want to be with my family, with my son. And then I committed to going back. Um, but I already talked to Amalo. Um, um, I'm, I'm thinking about staying back, coming back like permanently, um, maybe after spring break or somewhere in that, in that area because... Uh, um, the, you know, I want to be with my dad's not doing too good. His health, you know, uh, he's still there, you know, but, you know, my mom calls me every day. And, and so I don't want to be too far from that, if that makes any sense. And sure. so I want to carry my knowledge back here to San Marcos. And I want to try to open up a studio downtown um, if I can, just because I need to have people come in and out. <laughs> And that's something that I learned, and I'm going to try to make it work. You know? Okay, and tell us a little bit about, about your website. Where can we go to view your art? So I made a brand-new website. It's called Chavez Art Studios. Um, and so um, on there, I put my old work plus my current work and uh, my, my experiences. And the thing with this website, it has a store where you can order prints uh, of any of my works that you want or even an original painting if I have it. Now, one thing that I do want to encourage people to be on my collector's list because every time I finish a painting now, I offer it to my collector's list first. They get first dibs, what I call first gone. refuses, and somebody picks it up quick. So I never get to offer it to the public because they, they take them. And, and the benefit with being on the collector's list is I, it, it'll have a retail price, which Amala puts the value, and then I'll, I'll I'll give them a discount for being on my on my collector's list, and then it's it's gone, it's gone. And it's you have gone. a calendar too, right? And I also made my very first uh, 2024 calendar. I never made one before because I didn't think that p people still use calendars. But oh my God, I made one. I put one together because Amalo did the same thing. But you know, Amalo's Amalo, and I'm just he goes, you do whatever, whatever I can help you with, you do it. So I thought I'd do it, and they took off. And so yeah, I'm 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 delivering calendars. Uh, go on my website. You can order a 2024 calendar of my favorite artworks that I made in the past. Um, they have some of my construction worker scenes plus some of the landscapes that I painted, you know, a couple of years back. Well, we're almost out of time. Uh, Augustine, I want to thank you for coming um, to the studio on such short notice, but I saw you were going to be here and I was like, oh, I got to oh. have him come. So I really want to thank you uh, for coming and to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in and, um, we hope that you guys have a, a wonderful holiday season and um, Merry Christmas to all of you guys. Happy New Year. And Rob and I will see you in January. Right. We're going to be back right after the first of the year and uh, make plans. We've got a lot of great stuff lined up here on Riasis when we come back. And uh, Augustine, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kathy, for having me. Happy New Year, too. And oh, Merry Christmas first. <laughs>